We're talking about some keys to understanding divine healing. And it's been interesting because we've been talking about faith. We're going to continue on talking about faith to receive. It's hilarious. So on Sunday, I'm teaching on faith. And on Wednesday, for the last few weeks, I've been teaching on faith. But then again, I think for every service, for the whole time we've been a church, we've been teaching on faith, right? How can you teach the word if you don't teach about faith? Healing belongs to you. All the blessings of God belong to you. Faith, faith that receives, what we're talking about is I reach out and seize hold and take possession of everything that God has already given me in Christ. I do that through faith. It comes to this realm into my life through faith. So that's what we're talking about today. So turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. And we've been talking, we've been breaking down some things. We've been talking about four elements to build spiritual strength. Four, you could say it this way, four characteristics of a, of a spiritually strong child of God. Number one, they will hear right. Number two, they will, they're hearing right, which causes them to think right. Does that make sense? Number three characteristic is they will believe right. Well, why? Because they're thinking right. Why are they thinking right? Because they're hearing right. So now this seems very simple, and I'm going over and over it, but the walking out of it, the the making sure the Holy Spirit now will lead you. He will lead you to make sure. He'll lead you to a place where you're always hearing right. Whether you're listening to teaching, whether you're talking to people, whether you're reading something, whether you're uh, listening to something on the radio, every, in every situation, here's a big one. He'll help you to always think right in relation to the enemy's trying to throw thoughts. Your unrenewed mind might have thoughts that are contrary to the word. He will so help you sort that all out so you take those thoughts captive. So when you break it all down, I'm hearing right all the time. Why am I hearing right? Because I, I've, I've literally, I'm, I'm giving my body as a living holy sacrifice. I'm not living out of my flesh. I'm living out of my spirit. So I'm sensitive. So I know when to shut the TV off and when I could turn it on. I know who I could spend time talking to and who I can't. Does that make sense? I know when to listen to myself and when to say no. Right? I, I, I know this because the Holy Spirit, he wants me to hear right because if I don't hear right, I won't think right. And, and if I don't think right, I, it's impossible for me to believe right. And then the fourth characteristic, if I don't believe right, I'll never be able to talk right. But if I'm a strong believer, I believe right so I can talk right. So my confession will be right. Does that make sense? That means I'll be saying the same thing as God says. In other words, his word 
will be in abundance in my heart and always be coming out of my mouth. And if I walk like this, I will constantly walk in all the provision and all the blessing. They will just overtake me. Does that make sense? Because I've gotten in faith, I've stayed in faith, and now through faith, all that God needs for me to have in this earth to fulfill his plan and purpose will, will come into my hands. So we talked about that. It's Romans chapter 10, verse 13. It says here, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? We went in depth in this last week. So these four elements, keep it in your mind as we go through this tonight. You must hear right. You must think right. You must believe right and speak right, right? There's a principle that goes all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. The principle is this, you will have what you say. Satan knows this. So what he does, he knows that if a believer will believe the word of God and speak it, there is nothing he can do to stop that from coming into that believer's life. There, you have to know this. Because in the church today, things are so watered down that there's not a lot of people walking in the blessing of God the way that they should. Because a big reason is we as pastors, you know, we get moved by budgets or what we think people will like to hear. Well, listen, those days are over. You know, forget that. There's no life in that for any of us, right? So we're going to stick to the Word of God. Strong believers hear, think, believe and speak right weak believers are hearing wrong right they're thinking wrong well i just don't understand what god i mean maybe he wants to teach me something they get outside the realm of the word and then they start believing wrong and then they speak wrong that's the only difference so we want to make sure we're strong right so we could go home right now and you have enough to walk, to fulfill the plan of God in your life, just right there, literally. If you look at every problem in your, in your life, your problems are coming because you're speaking wrong, believing wrong, because you're thinking wrong, because you're hearing wrong. Every, every one of them. So now let's focus on Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed. So what we believe, as we talked about last week, it's a result of our thinking. If we think wrong, we're going to believe wrong. And did you notice, if you go back and look at verse 13, it has written right in the Bible the greatest miracle that will ever happen in your life. You could say, well, Tony, I just don't know, how to, I don't know how to receive from God. Well, if you're a believer, you've received the greatest miracle you'll ever be able to receive. You simply heard the gospel message and you thought, I need Jesus. And you chose based on what you heard. How many of you have never been to Israel? 
do, do you real? I mean, maybe it doesn't even exist. <laughs> right? There's people out there that still believe the earth's flat. Right? I mean, have you ever personally got off the planet and looked at it to see if it was round? <laughs> How'd you get off on all that, man? <laughs> but, but not only that, were any of you alive 2,000 years ago? Only in, the, only in the heart of your father, not on the earth, right? But, but how do you know? But you chose, you simply made a choice to believe what God said. What did you believe? That Jesus lived on this earth, he died on a cross. How real is that to you? It's so real to me. He rose again from the dead and he's now, he's seated in heaven. I'm seated with him. I'm completely convinced and sure of that bet my life bet my eternal life on that and I simply believe that in my heart I chose to believe that and now I spoke out of my mouth Jesus you are my Lord and when I did that the Holy Spirit came on the inside of me and the greatest miracle of my life happened this old spirit man that I was that's eternal was completely done away with. And a brand new spirit, a brand new Tony came. Brand new. That's amazing. Well, if you could believe God for that, you could surely believe God for a cancerous tumor to get out of your body. Amen. Right? Amen. You could surely believe God that if your kidneys aren't working very well, that, that God could either turn up that healing power and make them completely whole or just put new ones in. Does that make sense? I mean, let, let's, we'll go down a little bit. I mean, if he can surely put a new hip socket in your body or a new knee, or right? So, so this... We have to know this, guys. And here's the deal. You and I, we were created. We were created in the image and likeness of our Father. We are speaking spirits just like Him. Now, we're not the big G, and we never want to be, right? That gets people in trouble. No, 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 but we are His offspring, right? So I can simply now believe His Word and speak it out of my mouth and I am confident, fully persuaded that he will bring it to pass because he's already given it to me. When I say bring it to pass, I mean to bring it into this realm so it's, it could be used by me because I already own it. As a matter of fact, everything I need, I already own. If, if next week the enemy tries to put a headache on me, guess what? 2,000 years ago, that was already taken care of. If I need $5,000 for something that comes up three months from now, guess what? All that was already provided on the cross for me 2,000 years ago. Fully persuaded. Isn't that interesting? Why am I so fully persuaded? Same reason why you are. Right? Because you're hearing right. Therefore, you're thinking right. You should be walking around all day just going, wow, my father is so good Everything that I'll ever need, he's already provided. I'm not afraid. I don't care about statistics. 
I will live out all of my days on this earth and live long and live strong and bear all of the fruit that I'm to bear and walk and be light in this world. Why? Because of me? Oh, no. None of it's about me. It's all about him. Amen? So how shall... How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? See, God gave us his word. Why? To correct our thinking. The word of God will correct your thinking. It'll pull all that junk out and renovate your mind so that you think unlimited like your father. Which means that there's always a way. You know, you've heard the story I told. I was on a business trip years ago, and I was sitting next to a guy, and I was reading a book on hermeneutics, which is the art and science of biblical interpretation. If you ever have trouble sleeping, just get one of those books. And, and this is the way it works. The thicker the book, the faster it'll put you to sleep, right? So I'm reading this, and mine was a little book. I, there's a, the, the best ones are little. And uh, so I'm reading this book, and this guy sitting next to me, you could tell he was a very wealthy businessman. And he looked at me, he goes, oh, you're reading about hermeneutics. And I go, yeah. I go, you know about hermeneutics? And he's like, yeah. He goes, I grew up in a Jesuit monastery. And he goes, I never owned anything of my own until I was 18 years old. And so he starts telling me, he goes, you know, I had nothing and I grew up in this monastery. And uh, now this guy, he had all these businesses on the islands of Hawaii, had a major estate on, in Hawaii, and he was going to be doing some stuff in California, so he was going to go there. He was going to have to be there a lot, so he was going to look for beach property in Southern California. He'd, he goes, I always buy property on the ocean because it always increases in value. doesn't matter what real estate's doing. Everybody always wants to live on the beach, and there's always people that are wealthy that can afford it. So, you know, I mean, it was really interesting. But he said this, he goes, you know... When I was two years old, I started playing chess with a monk in, the, in a monastery. And by the time I was nine, he never beat me again. And he goes, I became a world-class chess player. And he, go, and, he, and he looked at me. Now, you would think he's bragging, but this was like the humblest guy you'd ever want to meet. And he goes, you know what I love about chess? He says, it just, is, it, it just always shows me how it doesn't matter what position you are in life. There's always a move you could make. Well, I got to tell you, if you're in checkmate, there's not a move you could make. <laughs> but you're a Christian, it's impossible for the enemy to ever checkmate you. Because here's the thing, God is a God that opens doors that no man can shut. He'll shut a door that no man can open. He will make a way where there's no way. And he already won the battle, so you've already won. Right? I think that's awesome. So let's go on. A promise from God's word must be confessed out of your mouth before it will ever be a reality in your life. We've spent a lot of time on believing. And you know what? We have not a big problem with believing. A lot of Christians believe that healing is theirs, that God's word is true, that the blessing of God is theirs. But they're not laying hold of it because they're not confessing it as a reality in their life. Do you get up every day and thank God that you're the head and not the tail? That you're above only and not beneath? If you're single, are you getting up every day and just smiling and saying, Father, thank you? 
I'm going to serve you. I'm going to follow you. And you're going to bring that spouse, the right one across my path. I'm not even concerned about it. Do we thank up, wake up as married people and, and go, Father, I'm just so thankful that my, our marriage is vibrant and wonderful and it's only going to get better? Or if your marriage, you've really messed it up and it's dead, Father, I thank you that you bring dead things to life. It's never too late. Isn't it good news to know that in your family, if you have children that are not serving the Lord, that they will be? That while you're sitting here, God's actually working on them right now. It's good news. It's good news. We keep the switch of faith turned on. How do we do that? See, the Holy Spirit guides us into it. He'll tell you what to confess, when to confess it all the time. All the time. So I want to I show you an example of this. What we believe is a result of our thinking. Let's focus on this tonight. Go to John chapter 20, and we're going to read a story. John chapter 20, and we're going to look at verse 18. This is a story about Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas, but give the guy a break. I mean, he ended up believing, okay? But we're going we're to look at Thomas's life. So in verse 18, it says, Mary Magdalene, now this, so here's Jesus. She runs to the tomb. You know, she sees Jesus. He's like, hey, don't touch me. I haven't ascended to my father yet, but go tell everybody that I'm ascending to my father and, and now their father, my God and your God, Mary. So she runs and tells all the disciples. So Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Now, so Mary goes and tells them, in the morning, hey, I saw Jesus. He said all this stuff. Rejoice. But the doors were still shut, and they were still in there for fear of the Jews. So I wonder if they really believed Mary. It doesn't say one way or another, but they're probably like, you know, what, what, maybe she's seeing things, whatever, Right? So we always get down on Thomas, but look at all the rest of them. So Jesus appears to them. So all of a sudden, through the wall, through the door, we don't know, but the doors were shut. Jesus is right there in their midst, and he goes, peace be unto you. And now let's keep reading this story. And when he said that, he showed unto them his hands and his side. So could you imagine he, he lifts up his robe and shows this gigantic hole in his side where that Roman soldier's spear, it had to be big enough to thrust your fist into it because he told Thomas later on, to, you know, don't be unbelieving, don't be faithless, stick your hand in my side, right? And then, and then he showed him, depending on the robe, he would have had to lift this up and show him the holes, right? And it said, now look at this, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. 
But wait a minute. He appeared to them and said, Peace unto you, beast be unto you. But it says here they really didn't see him until they saw the scars. That's kind of a type of revelation knowledge. Oh man, I've seen Mark eleven twenty four. 24. I've looked at it, right? Black and white, right? If you have a red letter version, red and white. I've seen it. But then one day, it spoke to me and it revealed him, or I should, I should say this correctly, and he revealed himself to me and all of a sudden I saw the Lord. So this is what's happening here. They must not have believed Mary, but when they saw the scars, they were what? Look, look at what it said. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. God wants you to see him all the time. He wants you to walk in revelation knowledge of his word, so much so that Paul, when he heard the faith of these believers, he said, when I heard of your faith, I cease not to pray for you that God would grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him so that the eyes of your spirit would be flooded with light and that you would know the hope of your calling, right? That whole scripture, the incredible, incredible riches of the inheritance that you have in God and the incredible power that is pointed at you as you believe him. This is what we're talking about. So let's keep going with this. Verse, let's go to verse 21 here. Then said Jesus to them again, <laughs> this is just like Jesus. He appears to them, Peace be unto you guys. They're like, okay, who's this guy? Then they show him this, oh my gosh, it's you. Then they get all excited, so now Jesus has to say it again. Peace be unto you. Do you think he's wanting, do you think he's wanting them to get this peace thing? I love this. Because have you ever not gotten something that the Lord wanted you to get? He'll keep coming back around, and when, when he gets you in the right place, he'll speak the same thing to you again. Amen. The same thing to you again. What am I saying? This faith thing isn't hard. He will see to it. He'll keep, he'll keep giving you what you need. If you miss it, if you get stressed out, he'll work on you. He'll, he'll help you if you'll just listen to him. And when you get in the right place, he'll speak to you again. In other words, the Holy Spirit, he will lead you into all the truth. I don't believe he fails. So now let's look at this. And then he says this. Peace be unto you. As the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. So now here we have the call. Wow. Notice that Jesus, when, when you talk about the call of God, and I've, you, some of you have, have had conversations with me, with the call of God upon your life, the Lord will always call you to himself. We saw this with the disciples. This is what he's doing again. He's calling, them to, he's calling them to himself before he sends them out. Why? Because you can't give what you don't have. And what you have is the overflow of your walk and your relationship with him. 
So this is why in our lives as a Christian, the call of God, and this is not for just pastors, this is for every one of us here. First, there will be a sense of intimacy where God calls you to himself. Why are you here tonight? Because you're hungry for him. Don't let Satan talk you out of that. Because you are hungry for him. Every believer's hungry for him. Most of just, they just have it buried under a bunch of junk called flesh. But there's a sense of intimacy where you learn to know that the God of heaven loves you with an unconditional, never-ending, never-changing love. And it's not dependent upon you, it's dependent upon he just chose to love you. And he'll never not. It's not dependent upon what you do, it's dependent upon what he did. And that sense of intimacy is also going to tell you, and, and I'll never leave you, and I'll never fail you, and I'll never forsake you, ever. I mean, this is good news. And that sense of, intima sense of intimacy will say, and whatever I've said, I will always do in your life. Never forget that. Right? See, as the Father has sent Jesus, now he's sending us. Do you ever wonder how Jesus endured the, I mean, his flesh was destroyed. The, the sin, the sickness, the disease, all the result of it was put in his body, just ripped up. Why was he able to go through and be crucified? It's real simple. He was crucified before he ever got to even... He, even he, see, he was crucified first in the Garden of Gethsemane. He came to a place where he's like, I'm all in. Father, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. He came, he, I mean, before that, he's sweating blood. They, they don't have a record of somebody living through that. There, there's so much pressure physically. The Bible says angels had to come and minister to him. But when he got up from that and came out, when three to 600 Roman soldiers said, hey, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he said, I am. They all fell down under the power of God. Full of the Spirit. He goes, I mean, see, we talk about fighting the good fight of faith. Look at Jesus. If you look at that scripture in Timothy, right after that, it talks about Jesus' fight of faith. We profess a good profession. He talks about Jesus' profession. When? I mean, think about Pilate. Have you ever studied anything about this guy? He was a killer. He was a ruthless killer and he was in charge and every life in judea he could have ended in a minute so here here he is jesus is standing before him all of a sudden they have this interaction afterwards his wife comes to him his wife is like man don't you hurt this guy don't mess with him and and he's already you could already see in the conversation that jesus is not moving and he is. He's starting to shake. He comes back, and then the second time, Jesus, now Jesus has a crown of thorns. He's been beaten. All this stuff is happening. They say the crown of thorns probably could have caused his head to swell massively. 
And in all the pain of that beating and all this stuff, here's Jesus standing before him, but so strong in spirit that Pilate is talking to him and Jesus is ignoring him. And you could see Pilate. What, you could see Pilate. He's going, don't you know who I am? I have the power to crucify you or let you go. And now Jesus, what is he doing? He's fighting the good fight of faith. It's already done. He's like, you have no power. You have no power on your own. The only reason why you have any power is because it was given from above. This is what, you're not in control, I'm in control. I'm going to lay down my life and I'll pick it back up again. Could you imagine? Pilate's like, oh, I got to wash my, I got to get away from this guy. This guy's freaking me out. This is what you do. It doesn't matter what a doctor says. Cancer is a big word. It's so much bigger than Tony, but it's not bigger than God. Right? Bankruptcy. All, what, I don't care what a depression, anxiety, terror, fear. Nothing in this world compares to him. And you stand in the midst of all of it and go, you don't understand. I have been and am crucified with Christ. But nevertheless, I live. And when I say live, I'm not talking natural life. I'm talking zoe life. I live the God life. But oh, wait a minute. It's no longer I that am living, but it's Christ that's living in me. And now this life I'm living in the flesh, I'm living it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. So see, you have this sense of intimacy. But then second of all, that sense of intimacy will never leave you when you're walking out and, and sorting out the call of God. But then there will come a sense of sovereignty. And it's so necessary where you know that there is a very much a sovereign call on your life. You didn't choose it and you can't quit. Right? You, you can't quit. I love Pastor Hagen down at Ramah. He has this saying. He says, I cannot be defeated and I will never quit. Why? Because there's a sovereign call of God on our lives. Right? So that sense of sovereignty never leaves. Right? So then you have this sense of intimacy and this sense of sovereignty. And then what will come upon you is there's this sense of destiny. And you know that as you walk out this plan that God has for your life, as you crucify your flesh, as you live out of your spirit, as you walk in the love of God, as you walk by the faith of God, as you are led by the Spirit of God, you know there's a sense of destiny that my life will leave an eternal, eternal imprint in, the, in mankind. I will yield all my fruit in my season. I will do things beyond my normal ability. That's for every one of us, guys. This is why we teach this. So let's jump back into this story. Verse 21 of John chapter 20. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed. It's that Greek word, emphuseo. It literally means to breathe on, to breathe in. It even means to inflate. He breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. This is when the disciples were born again. This verse right here sounds a lot 
You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. It sounds a lot like Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath, in the Hebrew language, the spirit of life, and man became a living soul. Isn't that awesome? So let's go. Let's jump down to verse 24 now. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So only 11 of the 12 were there. So now look at this. He, Jesus comes back again. Verse 25, The other disciples therefore said unto Thomas, We've seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Now check this out, Except I shall see his hands or in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Notice Thomas did not say, I cannot believe. Guys, I hear what you're saying, but unless I see this, I can't believe. He didn't say that. He said, unless I see something, I will not believe. Believing is always a choice. Everything on this earth is a choice. Your life is today a byproduct of the series of choices that you've made. If you don't like where you're at today, don't worry about that. God's a God of restoration. He's ready to go. Man, he'll tell you to forget the past and move forward. And now you could start making some different choices, right? And, and your life will change. I love that. So, so here now, we look at Thomas. Thomas's wrong thinking would not allow him to choose to believe. Have you ever ran into people that their thinking has put them in a position where they think when you talk about Jesus, it's ridiculous? Does that, does that make sense? So let's look at this. Believing, always know this in your life. Believing simply a choice. Wrong thinking will rob you of the truth of God's word. So the Holy Spirit's going to help you. He's going to help you believe right. But you're going to believe right because you're thinking right. And you're going to think right because you're hearing right. Does that make sense? Faith is a product or a byproduct of right thinking. So now let's keep going. Verse 26. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither your finger and behold my hands. Reach hither your hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. Do you notice that once again, Jesus met him right where he was. He will help you. Oh, religion will say that God is, is going to smack you if you do wrong. But Christianity is really not a religion. It's a relationship. It's where we who were lost in our trespasses and sins, God came looking for us. So now it's all about a relationship. And God will help you. He will help you walk in the faith of God, by the faith of God. He'll help you walk in the love of God. He'll help you be led by the Spirit of God. 
Spiritual strength is a result of right thinking. Spiritual weakness is a result of wrong thinking. So guard, guard it. Guard what you hear. Be careful how you hear. Be careful who you're hearing. If you confess your feelings, it will diminish spiritual strength. If you confess the word, it will increase spiritual strength. How are you continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord? You're constantly speaking the word of God. Does that make sense? Very simple, but very profound and true. If you confess God's word, it'll continually increase your spiritual strength. So verse 28, and Thomas answered and said unto him. So now Thomas sees and he answers and says unto Jesus, notice he says, my Lord and my God. This is where Thomas received the Lord. That's where he got born again. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed, but blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Wow, don't ever think you're not blessed. Aren't you blessed? You haven't seen, but you believe. Man, I love that. Always remember, you can't believe right if you don't think right. So now let's continue with verse 14 of Romans chapter 10. Jump back there. At the end, of, at the next part of verse 14, it says this, And how shall they believe in whom they've not heard? Right? How shall they believe in whom they've not heard? You have to hear. So let's, in looking at this, let's go to a scripture that paints us a wonderful picture of this. And it's Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Is everybody doing okay? Doing good? Praise God. This is good stuff, isn't it? This is like, I mean, you know, we're not all jumping up and rah-rah and everything, but this will bring victory into your life. I could tell you I could sense a great anointing upon this word. Psalm 1, 1, it says this. It says, blessed. Now, this word in the Hebrew language means empowered and enabled to prosper and succeed. Do you, want to be, do you want to be empowered and enabled to prosper and succeed? Absolutely. Well, it tells you exactly how. It says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel. This word in the Hebrew language means in the advice or the plan of the ungodly. Now, let me ask you this, ungodly. Somebody who's never been born again, would they classify as that? Yeah. Somebody who is born again, could they classify as that? Yeah. So, so anybody who's, whose advice or their plan is not in line with what God says, if you walk in it or listen to it, what, what does the Bible say? It's impossible for you to be enabled and empowered to prosper and succeed, right? So it says here, nor stands. This means nor abides or dwells in the way of sinners. In the way. 
This word way literally means in, a, in the manner of life. And here's another part of this word, in the conversation of sinners. What's a sinner? That's a person whose lifestyle, sin, literally means to miss the mark. Well, what's the mark? The mark is God's word. So this is a person, a sinner would mean, or if you sin, it means that you're doing something that misses this. The Bible says you can't stand, you can't abide and dwell with people that are doing that and ever be enabled or empowered to prosper. This is huge. Now it goes on, it says, nor sits, this means nor remains or continues in the seat of the scornful. In the seat. The seat would be in the assembly, in the session, in the place, or in the time. You can't be sitting, listening to the scornful. And the word scornful, uh, in, the, in the Hebrew language, it literally means one who teaches others about others. So that would, that would include gossiping, judging, slandering. You can't prosper and succeed in God if, you're, if you have those people around you. What, what are we saying? you got to be careful who you hear, what you hear, and how you hear. That's exactly what Jesus said in the New Testament, right? It says here, but his delight, verse 2, is in the law of the Lord. Well, when this was written, this is talking about the law of Moses, but as a New Testament believer, you could read it like this, but his delight is in the word of God because we have the whole word of God. His delight, the word of God. If you look at this, this is starting to describe a man who separated himself by delighting in God's word. He's built an image of his life within his heart living in line with what God says. That's what it's talking about. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he, he meditates day and night. See, this guy or this lady is hearing the word of God constantly, is hearing correctly constantly. Does that make sense? It says, he'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. So now we're going to find the definition of what blessed is in verse 1. What does it mean to be enabled and, and empowered to prosper and succeed? What does that look like, Pastor? Well, here it is in verse 3. He'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. So first of all, the blessing of God will put you in a place where now you have an overflowing inner strength and inner nourishment because you're planted by a more than enough supply. You're not moved outwardly now, you're moved only inwardly. It says here, that brings forth his fruit in his season. So another, another definition of being blessed, prospering and succeeding is that you're bearing all of your fruit in your season. Well, what's your season? It's your life. We have such a short time here, right? We're here. I mean, I blinked and I went from 25 to 56. You just, it goes so fast. And, and, and before we know it, man, our life will be over here on the earth. But see, what's really cool about that is there's so much more, right? 
Death in the Bible never talks about cessation of life. It just talks about separation. So the minute my spirit, I'm done here on the earth and I live here till I'm satisfied and I bear all my fruit and then all of a sudden I step out of my body and I'm with the Lord and things even get better, right? But while I'm here, I want to yield all my fruit in my season. His leaf also shall not wither, which means I'll always be fresh. Isn't, do, do you, you know, you get a, something new and it's like brand new and you just, it's just fresh. Fruit, have you ever ate a fresh cantaloupe? Fully ripened, not this stuff that they pick, you know, 4,000 miles away, green, and then, you know, no, something really fresh. It just, it's just fresh. See, a person who's walking with the Lord, every time they live their life trying to figure out more ways to spend with him because that one-on-one -on -one time with him is so precious. It's so fresh. And now even my job is fresh. My marriage stays fresh. My, my, my relationship with my kids is fresh. And my friendships and ministry, it's always fresh. Ministry burnout. Burnout in the corporate setting or whatever. There, there is none of that because I'm always fresh. Why? Because I'm hearing right. And now I'm going to be thinking right which means I'll be believing right and I'll be speaking right and the enemy won't be able to steal from me, right? This is huge. And it goes on to say, and whatever he does shall prosper. Literally in the Hebrew language, it says, and whatever he does will be brought to maturity. What's in your heart to do? He'll bring it to maturity. He'll bring it all the way. He's not only the author of my faith, he's the finisher. And if there was ever a good finisher, it's God. Amen? Amen. Here's the cool thing. He's a finisher, and guess what he already did? He already finished. He was like this. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he said, it is finished. And when it was finished, that means Satan's finished. And everything is finished. It's mine now. Amen. Isn't that awesome? It's because he loves us. Jesus said that we're to be careful who you are hearing, what you're hearing, how you're hearing. And we said this last week, and I'll say this again. Thoughts come from information that you're, you're uh, taking in. It comes from associations that you have, your relationships, and it comes from teaching that you listen to. So you want to be careful. Information, association, and teaching. That's where your thought life really starts. So be careful in that area. God, again, gave us his word so that we could think right. We hear right, so we will think right. We must be, again, word of God-minded, not sense-minded, right? I'm not minding the things that I see, that I hear, that I feel, that I taste, that I touch. I don't live outward, right? 
Yes, my senses are necessary to keep me safe. I'm so glad I could hear so I don't step out in front of a truck. But I don't, I don't let my senses guide me. My spirit guides me, right? The Holy Spirit guides my spirit, and now my spirit communicates that to me. The word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. I'm not moved outwardly. I don't let anything move me outwardly. I, I'm moved inwardly. Acts 17, 28, it's in him that I live and move and have my being. What are we talking about, guys? We're talking about how to live life on God's level because there's greatness in you. The Spirit of God's in you. If you know him, he has a plan for your life that's, that's on his level. He doesn't call you according to your ability. He calls you according to his ability because you're not created I'm not created to do anything alone, not by myself or for myself. I am, the goal is that where you can't see where he ends and I am, because I'm one with him. Oh Lord, let it be more of you and less of me. Ultimately, let it be all of you and none of me. Right? That's how we're created to be. So, we think right, so we choose to believe right. But see, this battlefield is in the mind. But we believe right now. Let's start to transition to the next one. We believe right so that we can speak right. Do you ever try to work on your speech? Knock yourself out with that. Work out what God's working in. He's going to probably spend a lot of time on what you're hearing and what you're thinking. Because he knows you get that right, your believing and your speaking will be right. When the word gets in abundance in your heart, your mouth will speak the word. But if it's not in abundance in your heart, you'll be speaking out of an unrenewed mind or out of your flesh. So let's look at this. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this. Let us hold fast. That means let us seize hold. On, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Now, it's real interesting. The word our is not in the original manuscripts. It was added to bring clarity, but I liked reading it without it. Let us hold fast the profession of faith. I got to tell you, I don't live by my faith. I live by his faith. Paul didn't say, nevertheless I live, but this life I live in the flesh, I live by my faith. No, he said, I live it by the faith of the Son of God. Right? So let us hold fast, let us seize hold of the profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. The profession, it's the Greek word homo logeo. If you've been around here very much, we've seen, you've heard this word. It literally means to say the same thing. Let us hold fast to saying the same thing that God says. If he says, Tony, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, then if I'm going to homo logeo, I need to hold fast to the profession of saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now here's the thing. 
I can never whine anymore if I listen to that verse, right? Which is, your flesh is going, doggone it, right? Because you want to whine sometimes. Because you feel like, I feel like I can't do anything. I feel like I've just made the biggest mistake. I'm just this, I'm that. Stop. You're hearing wrong now. It's going to cause you to start thinking wrong. Pretty soon you'll start believing wrong, and then you're going to be speaking wrong. And it usually, see, that, that sound takes me a long time to say that, but you know you can go from hearing to speaking wrong right there, right? I mean, literally, you could be sitting here while I'm preaching, you know, just going, yeah, pastor, I'm a man of great faith, and just speaking the word, and before you hit that little island out there before the parking lot you're already going man i got a, i got a meeting tomorrow at eight o'clock and this this jerk boss of mine you know, whatever right and i just i or, or you could be like oh my gosh i could be laid off tomorrow or oh my gosh i've got this doctor's appointment and i'm just pray that i get a good report See, when somebody asks you to pray that they get a good report, you need to pray for them. Not about the report, but they already got the good report. It's Isaiah 53, 1, right? It's Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. It's Matthew 8, 17. It's, I mean, no, I could go on and on and on, the report of the Lord. Because if you go to the doctor and you get a worse report, does that change God's word at all? No. Can that kill you? Can that bad report kill you? No, but being afraid of it can. Does that make sense? This is why, guys, if you'll notice everything I've said, you can't do this alone. You've got to be planted in a local church where you build relationships where, you know, I go up and I'm like, hey, Rob, I call him up and I'm like, hey, listen, can you take a break talking about the Navy for just a minute and just tell me how blessed I am, right? How healed I am, right? Can you just expound a little bit on how that I'm going to do everything in this earth that God's called me to do? We need each other. Amen. So realize the enemy will always try to separate you but God wants you, he wants you together. And he'll bring people into your life for that. This is big. You see with the eyes of faith. See, you can't hold on to something you don't see. We're created to go where we see, but not physically, spiritually. You see it in the word. I don't confess what I can do. I confess what he has already done. This positions me to receive from God. Amen? In other words, you can say this. When you got born again, you were declared righteous. He was made to be sin so that you would be made the righteousness of God. Righteousness, never forget this. Righteousness will always produce an internal attitude in you. And this is what it is. This internal attitude will always, it'll always bring forth external results. There's an attitude in you that I will not be moved. In righteousness, Isaiah 54, I am established. I'm fixed and immovable. 
It produces an inner attitude in you that will produce all of the outward, all, all of your outward actions, results. It's just there's something in you that wants to dominate. Because why? Well, because he's given us dominion in the name of Jesus. So now we realize, I walk in love. I love everybody. I love those that despitefully use me. I do good to them. Why? Because I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm wrestling. I know who my enemy is. And I know that he's defeated. Right? This is huge. This is the progression this progression is the key to spiritual strength. Man, I'm telling you, God wants you to walk as the world overcomer that you are. Amen? Amen. Know this tonight. If, if you don't leave with anything else, God is for you. He believes in you. He sees you in Christ. You are a world overcomer in Him. And as you see who you are in Him, It'll cause you to walk free from junk and it'll, it'll, it'll literally empower you and enable you to walk out God's plan for your life. Amen.